Hey everyone, welcome to The Starting Designer, a podcast focused on providing tips, tricks, and advice on getting through your first year of owning your own design business. Before we get started with our design industry guest, I wanted to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Revolution Performance Fabrics. Now, listen, relax, get some daily motivation, and enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm Anderson Gibbons, and today is our first episode of the Starting Interior Designer, how to get through your first year of being an interior designer. Our guest today is Glenn Reed. Uh, He is a designer for STI and Revolution. Uh, He's been in the industry for for many, many years. He's designed patterns like Sugar Shack and Haley and and is really a a titan of the design industry. Um, I hope you can't wait to, to hear from him about textile design, the start of his career, and uh, what it takes to to be a, a fabric designer in today's market. So first off, Glenn, how and when did you start your career? Can you can you give me kind of a an update on on how long you've been designing fabrics? Um, I started way back in 1888. I mean, 1988, um, right out of college. Moved from Massachusetts after attending UMass um, North Dartmouth for textile design and fine arts, and um, had an uncle who owned a textile mill, and in the summertime, I would work in his print mill up in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, cl- cleaning screens, roller screens, and com- being completely covered in dye stuff. Um, it was really a, a hard, not so much fun job. What was the name of that mill? It was um, Consolidated Auto Screen Print, and it's long since gone now. And and so that was for what kind of uh, fabrics? We printed uh, Lycra, sportswear, all that stuff. It was back in the 80s, aerobic craze, which you guys weren't born yet. I can just imagine just like full jumpsuits and uh-huh. giant. Olivia Newton-John and uh, uh, headbands and, and those big slouchy socks they'd pull up over the Lycra pants. It was really a great look. So talk to me about design school. Did, did you ever think you were going to be an upholstery fabric designer? I mean, it seems like you were more of like a apparel no, I actually was always going to be in home furnishings, but I only wanted to work in prints. I, I swore that I would never, ever, ever have anything to do with woven fabrics. I hated them. I hated setting up looms. And my teacher, who was amazing, um, this kind of crazy lady who had goats that lived in our house, always told me that, you know, not to count out being a wovens designer and that you never knew where life would take you. And uh, she was right. So almost immediately I went into wovens. <laughs> I didn't stay in prints very long. Huh? Do you de- do you design prints today? Uh, no, and I used to dabble at home a little bit, just designing prints, you know, for painting at home. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, in a in a way, working for STI Revolution, it get to do the best best of both worlds. Where my print training it relates very well to jacquard design because jacquards are basically painting with weaves and filling yarn. So in the end, she was right. I kind of blended the two. Where, I mean. With a jacket design, you can create anything, hmm. and it's on, in a woven form instead of just ink on fabric. So, yeah. so it did relate, and she was right. So for okay. so for our listener who doesn't know the difference between a print and a jacket, so would uh, could, well, I mean a jacket, uh, the setup is it's all woven into the fabric. So you're weaving with specific yarns and fillings and colors, and in a jacket loom, each individual thread is can be controlled by what we call a heddle. It basically will lift the yarn up and down and create 
patterns, whereas a print, and people will confuse the two, a print is just ink printed on top of a basically a canvas that's already been woven. So it just, the ink sits on top of the canvas. So that's a printed fabric. But a lot of times a, a printed fabric can look like a jacquard woven and a jacquard woven could look like a printed fabric. So it gets confusing for customers. No, that, yeah. A lot of it is just price. Jacquards tend to be more money than prints. I know from on, running our online fabric store, most people refer to our jacquards as prints. Right. And, and I kind of want to grab my hair and go, oh, that's true. but um, that's because we're fabric nerds. Oh, yeah. I was, I've been correcting that for uh, 30 years. Yeah, I've just it's stopped with doing people. It's, is it a sofa or is it a couch? It doesn't matter. Cool. <laughs> Um, so yeah, talk, talk to me about, so you get through design school, you're working for your uncle. Um, what was your first big kind of push? Or what was your first big opportunity as a textile designer? Well, besides a it took, when I, when I interviewed for a job, it was back in 1987. It was still, a, was it? No, it was 1988, obviously. And, um, but we had had the crash of 1987 and I was trying to find a job in New York City. And my uncle would take me in every Tuesday to, to job hunt and to go on interviews with all of these different high-end home furnishings places. And basically what I didn't realize, and he didn't, because he's just a, you know, a Connecticut Yankee, he didn't realize, you know, all of the, anyone who is anyone in the summertime in New York City goes to the Hamptons. So anyone that could really hire you a lot of times was already gone from the city. So I was going on these futile interviews and it was, it was so hot and it was after the crash when um, you know, Wall Street had crashed in 87. And so I just remember finding myself on Park Avenue crying. I was in tears and I told my uncle I was just gonna give up and forget it. And he said, do you want me to get you a job? And I was like, okay. And he took me to this apparel place and he got me a job immediately with S. Ed, with uh, S. Edwards and, and then with Guilford Mills. And so that's how I got into and that. And Guilford, that was, that was woven? That was my first job. No, it was no. Prince. Printed. Print, Prince, okay. It, it, they were, they were one of his customers. Customers. Okay. okay. So, so talk talk me through that. Like talk me through the first day. Were you oh. were you ready? For oh God, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting working for apparel is completely different than working in home furnishing. It was like I wouldn't trade this experience for anything. It was just like the devil wears Prada. I mean, they would the salespeople would come in and just be screaming at everyone to paint faster, and screaming at the studio director and swearing and you know just F-bombs galore. It was all of these rag trade guys in apparel. And I think I stayed there three months. And then I had been continually interviewing with this company called Sunbury Textile Mills that wanted to hire me out of college. And, I, and I, they wanted me to leave my last semester and just forget it and go to work for them. And I wouldn't do it. So, but I, I just kept blowing up my, this, this guy who was the design director there, blew up his phone every week, basically checking to see whether they had an opening again. And so I did, I, I, I didn't stay in apparel very long. I went right to Sunbury Textile Mills, which was a high-end So when you, when you were blowing up his phone, it, it wasn't too long before he, he reached out to you, right? But it wasn't like the first time. He d no, because yeah. wanted, they wanted to hire me out of school, and okay. I didn't want to take – I didn't want to leave school. I was yeah. – you know, didn't wanna, be, I knew I'd never have a degree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just kept, I just kept trying, and, and it's just persistence. Because, and I bugged him until he gave me a job. <laughs> so talk, talk me through the first – kind of day at Sunbury. I, I know uh, they're, they're a big competition of us now, so this is... This yeah, they're part of Sunbury now. Yeah, They've been bought up. Yeah. But, um, well, it was just interesting. It was a really beautiful building in Soho, cast iron, but completely different than dealing with the apparel people up on 7th Avenue. Mm -hmm. And it was just a beautiful building, cast iron building in Soho, uh, pre-Civil War, and it was just 
decked out and beautiful had been decorated and they were complete they were they were pretty snobby there it was like a different different crowd they dealt with robert allen and kravit and all these upper end henredon and all these upper end uh furniture manufacturers so they were so i started my first day was basically just a schlepper delivering mail and then i was assigned to this woman named jan whittingham who really helped my career and um trained me in coloring spent a lot of time grooming me and then you know, and there were some other key people there that really helped my career. And I have to thank uh, my old boss, Mark Rigalunas, who's over at Sunbury Sunbrella now. He was a great manager. So what what was the biggest lesson he, he kind of taught you in the in the early days? Hmm. And that's a hard question. Just, well, it's a hard question, but I, well, I struggled with it. You know, I wasn't ever the most organized kid in the world, and he just beat me over the head to be more organized and kind of taught me a lot there. And just... His, his work ethic was really strong, too. So it was just work, work, work. And I learned that from some college professors that I had one key sculptor uh, who was a professor who taught me that just, you know, it's like 5% talent, 95% hard work, hmm. period. You know. I think we could end the podcast equity. on that one. Yeah. Sweat equity, work yeah. hard. Yeah. It's not all talent. Mm-mm. Work, 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 work. Yep. So... You obviously left Sunbury because yep. you're here here now at STI. Yep. And uh, what was what was kind of the next steps? Uh, Sunbury kind of you know wasn't moving career wasn't moving so fast. You know I was just a young guy and of course you're eager and you want to be in charge. So I think I was probably a little younger than you, 23, 24, and was getting itchy to leave. I was probably stupid to want to leave, but I left. And uh, a, a guy in the furniture industry helped land me a job with Doblin Fabrics, which was a higher-end mill maybe even than Sunbury, and part of a company called Mastercraft, and he got me, um, he helped me meet Andrew Major, who was a big, you know, big wig in our industry, and got hired over um, at Doblin as design director, and I was probably maybe a little too young for that job, but um, did create some hits there that put Doblin on the map. There was a thing called Handloom, and another one called Bakhtiari, and, and other stuff, and um, wasn't there that long. It started to hurt Sunbury a little bit. I think I was, you know, taking some of their some of their placements away from them because mm-hmm. they were direct competitors, and they came to me and, and asked me if I wanted to come back, hmm. and I got you know a big raise and, went, and I ended up leaving Doblin and going hmm. back to Sunbury. Why did you think you were too young for the job? Uh, I was really young. I mean, I was only 23, 24. Sunbury hired me back as a made me a VP back there and. Yeah, it was great, and that was fit. Sunbury had a lot of um, staff and people, and support people to help you, like really great management team and all this stuff. Whereas Doblin was maybe it was it had been run, it had run a lot leaner for a lot of years and had had some issues, and um, there just wasn't as much help for you or so, people to turn to for help. So like for the so, so I learned the, a lot, but it was it was rough. It wasn't. Hmm. I learned that it's not all. And in a couple places, when I left there later, I was at a place called Cone Jackards, and it was some of those life lessons you learn that, like, um, you're only as good as the people that are part of your team, too, or the people that can help you and and help you get your job done, and they want you to succeed. Um, I ended up at a place later where I guess, you know, I'd made another leap. I, after, after Doblin, I went back to Sunbury, and then was there for several years and then decided to go out on my own again, and I had created my own company and was licensed to Cone Jackards, and that was a startup mill. And it was really rough, and, and the, it was kind of a strange bunch of people that had been brought together to create this place. 
and um, there were lots of people who didn't want to see me succeed. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot different than being at Sunbury where you were with family, basically, that wanted you to do well and wanted the company to do well, to suddenly you were at this place where it was dog-eat-dog dog and they're trying to make you fail. <laughs> so, but that was a great lesson for later. It really made... So, yeah, I'm going to take a step back. Go ahead. Talk to me a little bit about licensing. I, I know, um, you know, through selling Revolution Fireworks, we have... Um, you know, interior designers, fabric designers reaching out to us all the time about licensing. Talk, talk me through kind of that first process, or I know most interior designers uh, will get a licensing agreement with a certain furniture manufacturer. So talk me through like kind of the emotional or kind of physical kind of attributes of like, how, what was that like? Like the I first got, time you got your big... Um, I kind of, in a way, fell into it because um, Andrew Major was the... Uh, he was the head honcho at Mastercraft and Doblin and all that stuff. And he was a big believer in licensed designers and in commission sales reps. And he he believed that if if all of those guys were making money, he knew he was making really good money and they were really successful. So he didn't have any problem paying people if you were a, uh, a leader at the company or like a real breadwinner. So he, he gave me the opportunity to do that at Cone Jackards. I kind of fell into it because I had really never considered it. I had a friend from college that had always said I'd own my own company, and I was—I never believed. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll never do that. I'll never have that. I was completely wrong. I've been doing this like this now since 1997. Um, but um, it, it works well for me. I don't know if it's for everyone. You definitely have to really work hard, and if if you don't want to really, really work hard and take risks, it's it's risky. You may not always get a big payday. You could get paid nothing <laughs> if you have a, and if you don't, so if you didn't have designs that sell, you make, make, you may not make no money or not make any money. And if you didn't have a great sales force behind you to sell your product, you may not make any money. So there are a lot of forces that work for or against you. You have to be, it's kind of like, you gotta be somewhat brave. It's not like just receiving a salary from a company. Um, where you're a little bit more protected from the ups and downs, you know, if you're with a larger company, kind of, you know. Yeah. Those people, are, it's different. So, essentially, what you're saying is, you know, if you are an interior designer or a fabric designer out there, make make sure to do your research mm -hmm. on on the customer, or uh, on the furniture manufacturer or the the, the, the fabric supplier b before you uh, you put your name yeah. on a brand. Yeah, you wouldn't want to just step into a situation where they're not going to be supportive, or they won't don't understand your product. Okay. Maybe they don't have the right sales force to sell your your product. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to licensing. I'm not so sure I'm the best well-versed at it. Hmm. I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm not, you know, I don't know. I kind of just close my eyes and run. <laughs> <laughs> run towards the light. <laughs> so so you, you're at Cone Jackards. You're at Mastercraft. When, when uh, what, what was kind of the next step? Um, uh, and, and kind of designing your whole design process and, and, and kind of going forward? Uh, well, there was a little period where it kind of ended up leaving Cone and going to Mastercraft. And what was great was there was some, con we had, there was some contract disputes between Cone and I, and it gave me a, a several months to just um, really focus on what I wanted to do next with product and innovation and research, yarns and come up with some great ideas. It was the only time I'd ever really had a big block of time off from work where you didn't have to worry about producing a line. I just had to worry about my theoretical line in the future. So it was pretty cool. That was neat. And so when I got to Mastercraft, just hit the ground running. 
And um, it didn't take long to be off the guarantee there at all. And they had an, ama an amazing sales force and lots of resources behind you, so it was terrific. Um, but it's been on, it, it doesn't seem like 30 years, and even I've now been at Revolution Fabrics STI for 14 this coming Saturday years, and it seems like two. So you know it's been fun because it really, it's actually just, you know, it doesn't seem, it seems like yesterday. Uh, so not not to be a Debbie Downer, but you know, talk talk about the negatives of uh, what's what, what's been kind of the hardest thing as you started your own business that you you know maybe something you had to overcome, because um, I, you know, I think everyone wants to have their name you know on a on a licensed product, but but what, what's 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 made with the speed bumps or the the, the, the stuff to look out for when when making your own print line or or. <laughs> partnering with a furniture I, I manufacturer. Some of the hard part is when you're growing. It's maybe the growth part of your business where you have to hire new people. Um, you know, I've never, you know, as a designer, you and I've always been someone who doesn't ask for a lot of help from people, tend, or tend to not do that. So I've, for years it was difficult delegating and then you, you, know, you get your business grows, so you have to hire new people and maybe you don't hire the right people. Maybe you're always, you can second guess yourself. Maybe I should have hired one amazing person instead of two people that were more of a starter. The personnel side has been challenging over the years um, because I don't know if he wasn't really trained to be a, you know, to hire people in college. You don't learn any of that. You kind of, it's just stuff you learn on the job hmm. and it takes a while. And, uh, but the growth, handling growth spurts, I think for a company is tough. So that's been the challenge. I mean, other than when we had the recession for five years or whatever, and you know, at, at Revolution and STI, we were all busting our asses, and it just felt like you were in a, you had headwinds the whole way. Until until well, and that was when we were just called STI, and then in 2013, I think is when we came out with Revolution Fabrics. 15. Was it 2015? Yeah. I already forget. I can't Crazy, even keep right? track of it. Yeah. But that's when things kind of exploded and opened up. So, so if you could leave. Uh, kind of our, our listeners. Um, by the way, listeners, thank you very much for reading this or listening to this. This is uh, Glenn and I's first podcast, so we're just trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, if, if you could leave our listeners with one kind of piece of advice um, about growing growing their design business, um, that, that was a bad voice crack. Um, what is, is there anything you would want to leave them with? Do your best to partner with good people. <laughs> that would be my best advice, and that's hard to know. Um, and just, I don't know. It's 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 been an I don't know if I know the right answers. I don't know. I, I just think it's it's been amazing, and it's, it's just hard work. All I got to say, you just keep trying new things until you get it right. Now that I've ruined this podcast and gone through puberty uh, with all my voice cracks, um, let's let's make this kind of fun. A uh, little five question: Are you a cat or dog person? Dog. If you could name your boat one thing, what would it be? Albatross. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Why, why albatross? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a long story. Um, I was always going to name my my boat Sugar Shack because it's my best pattern ever. <laughs> and it probably paid for the boat. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Starting Designer, a podcast for your first year of interior design. Please make sure to reach out to our guests and thank them for their advice. I want to thank our sponsors, Revolution Performance Fabrics, 
and please make sure to follow and subscribe on your preferred podcasting channel. As always, I'm your host, Anderson Gibbons, and thank you for listening. Have a great day. Go crush your design business.